I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Welcome to this week's episode of Biz Talks. We are coming back from the Mardi Gras break, and we thought we'd start out with something fun. Um, my guest today is uh, the CEO of the uh, Nola Gold Rugby, uh, Chase Langdon. If you guys have not, if anybody's not been to a game, it is super fun. Um, my husband used to play in college, so I have a little bit of knowledge of it, but um, it's just a really neat, fun time to go out, whether it's like a girls' night out or a, a date night or a family night, um, just really fun. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the business side too. So Chase, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so I'm super excited. So you are you started as CEO there not that long ago, September of 2022. And before that, you were with the Saints? Yeah, Saints and Pelicans. I was there just shy of four years, um, which is you know when I came down to New Orleans. But lifelong rugby fan, and this is my second stint working in in rugby as a sport. So really excited to to be here with Noel Gold. So what did you do for the Saints? Um, I did corporate partnerships, so like all the sponsors around the teams. I did a, a strategy, like sales strategy, insights, and analytics for them. Oh, awesome. Okay, so are you from here? No, I grew up in New Jersey, um, but I did grow up a Saints fan. Uh, my family is originally from Beaumont, Texas. And to keep you know, a, a long story short, essentially when the Oilers left, everyone convened at my grandparents' house. They had a family vote, which effectively said they weren't going to be Cowboys fans. And so I was raised a Saints fan. Well, good choice. Yes. Yeah, I um, think so. <laughs> so just a little bit of background on rugby. So, um, the NOLA Gold, again, for people who are not familiar, we are part of the Major League Rugby team, or what do you call it? A, 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 sorry. <laughs> Major League Rugby, it's, it's a league. Yes, we are part of the Major League Rugby uh, League. Um, one of the founding members, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the original six, and we're going into our sixth season. Um, you know, so while we're still quite young, but in rugby, in rugby terms, we were one of the old, uh, I guess, old guards in the league. Um, we started out playing at Shaw High School on the West Bank and have grown up over the course of six years. And now we're playing at the, the beautiful uh, Shrine on Airline. We call it the Gold Mine here out in Metairie, which is a 10,000 person professional stadium. So, you know, really been a, a really positive uh, growth and evolution for the team over the last, you know, the first few seasons. And you guys just started your season, right? So it starts in February and goes through May and your playoffs are in June. Uh, so we, yeah, we started February 17th. So Mardi Gras weekend, we were home. That was a, a unlucky draw from us from the league scheduling standpoint. Uh, the regular season will go through uh, mid June with the playoffs oh, okay. at the end of June, early July. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, and so there's two, there's a Western league and an Eastern. Yeah. We had two conferences, West and East. Uh, the league is up to 12 teams. So again, that you know, we started with six, we're up to twelve. We already have a thirteenth that's signed on for the twenty twenty four season. That's um, Miami, right? It's Miami, yeah. I think we got six or seven um, other franchises potentially looking at um, continued expansion. So really good growth rate for the league itself. Um, we play in the Eastern Conference, which you know is a very good conference. Um, the team with the best record last year is in the Eastern Conference. The team that won the league last year is in the Eastern Conference. So um, really competitive side of the table for us to be on. 
And that is, let's see, that's DC, New York, New England, Atlanta, and Toronto. Yes, I think you got them all. Okay, yes. I got them all. All right. Trying to so, do the mental checklist. Yes, that sounds yeah. correct. And then the other side, so the, the western side would be Chicago, Dallas, Houston, San Diego, my hometown, Seattle, and Utah. Um, so it's it's a so what is this the MLR, the major league rugby league, where where is that out of? It's uh, based out of Dallas. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I think that it started in Utah. It's moved to Dallas. You know, you, sh you probably should fact check that. Um, <laughs> at least in the last handful of years, it's been operated out of Dallas. Um, and then the, the I, we got a, a press release. The commissioner is stepping down. So what does that mean for – he was uh, part of the, the kind of the start of everything, right? Well, no. So he wasn't our first commissioner. Oh, he's, yeah. uh, I actually think he was our – second maybe third commissioner i mean oh, wow. granted you know i you're testing my, my history of the, the league <laughs> uh, and i've only been in the league for seven months um you, you know it's as the league is going through these um evolutionary steps quite rapidly right the difference between where we are in year six from where we are in year four is dramatically different versus where we are or year one and and so as we work through these kind of evolutionary phases it's important to kind of keep pairing the league with the right leadership who's well um, equipped to manage that particular phase of the evolution. Um, you know, George Kilbury, you saw us through through some really challenging times, you know, through the COVID seasons, which we survived as, as a young league, which was impressive. And, you know, the growth from six to, to 12 teams, but we think um, the, the new, they're, they're calling him CEO, it's not commissioner title, I think is good. You know, he has some embedded knowledge from the teams themselves, which really help kind of, um, help each of the franchises continue to grow and help new markets bring on um, their own franchises. And we were talking about this before this came on, but you guys are kind of perfectly positioned for football fans. As soon as football ends, you guys start up. Um, but it, it's kind of like a, you would explain it to people as like a mix between football and soccer. Yeah, so, so certainly we chose the seasonality to be right at the conclusion of the football season for good reason, right? We wanted to have that natural landing spot for all of those contact sport fans in the country who, who no longer have a sport to watch for a handful of months. So rugby is well positioned. But it's also important for us, for us from a seasonality standpoint, since we all play outdoors, to try and find a part of the year that teams <laughs> up in the Northeast can play as well as teams in the South can play without getting too hot or cold on, on our either end of the spectrum. Well, I'm sure we're preferable in that February and March. And <laughs> yeah, and, and, and June gets tough for us. But, you know, you look at, the, at Toronto, for example, or New right. England, um, or even Utah, right? The, the first half of the season gets kind of difficult, and they, they, they prefer the, the later half. Um, but just circling back on what you said, yeah, like, I, I think rugby really is that hybrid between soccer and football. If, if you think about football as, as an entity that evolved starting with, you know, the global football game, what we call soccer and, and culminating in, in American football, rugby is that kind of missing link um, in that evolution. And I think it pulls in the free flowing, the continuity that's so great about soccer with the physicality, the intensity of American football, um, but it doesn't have, you know, some of the shortcomings that either of them have. So I actually think um, from a, a sport product sample is actually standpoint, it's actually a very appealing product for people to kind of learn about and get into. And how has the team done? Um, I know, like I saw in 2019, you guys were the top scoring team. Yeah, so, um, you know, so we're going to our sixth season. Over the course of the six years, we've been really competitive. Um, the first uh, four of them, um, we were just out on the outside of the the postseason, kind of just by a narrow margin, didn't, didn't quite make the playoffs, but really competitive. 
Uh, we did take a step back last season, um, being, I think, second from the bottom of the table. Now, they're not big conferences, but second from the bottom of the table. Um, and then this year, we're off to a bit of a slow start, but our I think we had maybe the most successful off season of all of the other of the whole league, really from a roster building. Um, and what it's done is we're still kind of figuring out who our starters are, what positions people play. We're, we're kind of building up a little bit of that, that team chemistry, but the talent wise, I think we're really well positioned still to make a deep run into the season. And what does the team look like? You have you have people from New Orleans or, or Louisiana yeah. people or yeah, we, 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 you know, don't quote me on the number, but we got a handful of, okay. of local guys, um, you know, that that are grown up here, raised here um, and, and played the rugby here. Uh, Jesuits got a great high school program NRFC, which is the local men's club um, is a really uh, accomplished uh, club in, all, in American rugby landscape. So there is actually a really good rugby foundation here. But we do bring in people from all over the country, and we got, I think, 12 international players as well. So, yeah, I was going to ask that. So what does rugby look like here? I know um, when my husband played, it was it was kind of a brand new thing um, for his college. But you have – do you have any – there's some young, like, teams, things that you're bringing kind of kids in. It's kind of like what soccer – you know, soccer is huge for kids, and then it seems to kind of yeah, well, peter so out, but – um, you know, the, the rugby landscape in the country is a bit of a patchwork okay. and, and depending on year to year or, you know, decade to decade, it's, it's kind of looked differently over time. Um, here in new Orleans, we have a handful of, uh, or a handful of like pretty good, um, if not really good high school teams, I believe Jesuits, a top five high school team in the country. So it's really, really accomplished. And at the adult men kind of, um, it's called amateur level NORFC New Orleans rugby football club has won a national championship in recent memory, um, has always been kind of competitive at the national landscape. But we don't have um, a fully kind of baked out player pathway, right? Okay. To starting with the the youngest, you know, elementary, you know, early introduction to sport, and then, you know, a continuous like landing spot for people to, to grow and participate and develop, you know, elementary, middle, high school, collegiate. Right. Um, it, it's still a bit kind of, kind of patchy. Um, and that's one of the major things that Oh, you know, part of our, our goals and our vision for, for NOLA Gold is to come in and be the entity that that pathway can kind of coalesce around, right? We're, we're bringing in resources from um, other areas of the country and even internationally to help uh, get rugby education into schools, into the youth level, uh, to help uh, create a league structure at the high school level and even at the junior college level, really trying to get the general education and competition yeah, at the grassroots level of the sport kind of operating in a more, um, I guess, start to finish kind of complete picture way. And there's a women's team too, right? Uh, yeah, there, there are a couple of women's teams. I can't speak all that intelligently about it. Yeah, I played my rugby out in Colorado, so <laughs> I, I can tell you a lot more about the, about the, the grassroots yeah. competition. But one of the great things about um, rugby is that there's complete parity between the men, men's and women's game. Right. You know, you look at every virtually every other sport, um, you know, lacrosse, they're playing ver pretty much a different game. Uh, basketball has a has a different three point arc. Hockey, you can't check from men to women's rugby. The, the rules they play, how they're treated with sport is, is completely equal. Even at the international level, you know, we don't have a men's and women's World Cup. We just have two World Cups. Right. One happens to be played by the men's team. One happens happens to be played for a women's team, but by the women's teams. But there is this really great effort to create parity between the men's and women's games, um, you know, globally for the sport. 
and it is it's a very fast-paced game um you don't have all the the pads and helmets and stuff um it's it, it's really fun to watch that's i i went with a, a group of girls and we had a, a great time um and what struck me though what i thought you guys did great is um there is an education aspect to it <laughs> um the the terms the players the locks the props the hookers those are things that we are not used to hearing about and um but it during the game and beforehand too there's a, a great kind of little you know little catch-up or a little 101 that goes on that helps you understand the game yeah well it, it's an interesting obstacle for us um because one, you don't want to be on the the PA, the the, the microphone, yeah. explaining every single step. Because there's we do have a lot of um, diehard rugby fans who who right. don't want to be you know talked down to. They already know everything, and it can get kind of intrusive on their viewing experience. We also want to make sure that the information is readily available for all the people who are experiencing rugby for the first time, whereby they feel empowered to enjoy the sport. It's it's, it's no different than. Um, really any business out there that has a new product that people are unfamiliar with, like education becomes a major hurdle. Yeah. Getting the, the consumers educated to the point that they can interact, participate, use your, your goods and services. And, and we're still trying to figure out what that balance is. And so we're doing a lot of experimenting both with the in-game experience, trying to get the right information in a non-intrusive but very present way um, to everyone in the game. But then also how do we get those educational pieces out in the market for people to stumble upon and, and learn about so that they feel empowered when they show up to a game um, to, to appreciate what's going on and they don't feel lost. So how are you guys marketing and, and getting getting everything out? I know so much is, is word of mouth, but um, but how, how are you kind of spreading the word? I, you guys have been around, what, so 2017 it started? Yep. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, so our, our, our marketing operation um, is one that, that's again, like everything for us, we're trying to grow up. Right, right. You know, everything started very bootstrapped in 2017. And I'm not saying we're still bootstrapped to some extent here in, in 2023, but we have um, a full-time marketing person. We now have a part-time social um, person and we have a part-time uh, uh, media relations person um, to try and get the information out there. Um, you know, for, for marketing, a big piece of the puzzle is general awareness. Letting right. people know Nola Gold exists. There is a rugby team. It's called Nola Gold. Just that name brand recognition. Um, a lot of that is kind of top of funnel, um, getting into the news outlets, paid media, um, you know, paid social, things like that to try and get people to just see and be exposed to it. Further down and kind of the, the consideration um, end of the spectrum for marketing, we have a big emphasis on trying to set up um, what we call Rugby 101 clinics where if anyone does buys a group package with the organization to bring their company, their friend group, their Mardi Gras crew, what, whatever it may be out to a game, we'll send some players or a coach or something to, to do some you know, ball in hand drills and explanations so people have an understanding and really getting into that kind of uh, small hand-to-hand -hand combat kind of kind of marketing style. Um, a big uh, thing we're trying to do, or we're trying to improve upon this year is uh, general media coverage of the team. Right. I think a lot of the, the high schools, colleges and professional sports in the region, um, they almost take it for granted that like if they do something, the media is going to talk about it. For us, it's not really that way. So we're trying to figure out how do we forge those relationships with the local media outlets? How do we get them as people with a captured audience 
to feel um, like they understand the sport enough. And so when there is game recaps, when there's um, important news evolutions coming out of the organization, that they have enough of an understanding that we have a built up relationship that they can, can help us amplify that message. So really the marketing, it's, it's everything from, you know, earned media, uh, social, paid, and then, like I said, the, the in-person, um, more in-depth relationship building. And your price point's really pretty low. Like, yeah, well, so one thing for us is, you know, we thought about like, what is our positioning, right? As, as an entertainment property, right. uh, New Orleans, despite being the, the, the 50th largest uh, uh, market in the country, it is so full of entertaining things to do on any given day or any given weekend, which actually makes it very competitive for us to go and, and get people to consider us for what they should do on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon or evening. Um, so we thought about our positioning and we think you know, for us to be successful, we need to be known or thought of as fun, family, and affordable, yeah. right? Um, you can get the the kind of the nostalgic day out at the ballpark kind of experience that everyone loves and remembers about their childhood and wants to impart the next generation, but you're not going to be paying uh, the price point of what you're going to pay for other sporting events. Or really even, you know, you compare it to going to the movies nowadays, which is what, $12, $13 a ticket, if not more. Right. Um you know, for us, tickets are as low as $13. You can get a family pack, which includes four tickets, four hot dogs, four sodas, four bags of chips for $50. You get a whole afternoon, you sit out at the ballpark, you're around your, your, your neighbors and your peers. And um, it really is a, a fun outdoor activity away from the screens for a, a really affordable price point. Um, and, and we think that's going to help us kind of attract the non-traditional rugby fans or the, the, maybe the new rugby fans. And I know when we went, like you had the, you invited the kids down to come get autographs at the end. And yeah, well, again, about us, it all goes back to us trying to create an experience, you know, that fun experience that other comparable um, properties can't do. So at the end of every match, there's what we call the, the rugby social. It's an old rugby tradition, but like kids can get autographs. You can drink a beer with the players. You can interact with them. It's, it's fully open for, for people. And um you know, kids can get on the field ahead of time and play with the ball before the match. Like we're trying to create levels of access to enrich our game day experience. So when people do go spend their 13 or $20 or whatever it ends up being, they feel like they got more than that, the value of, of that money. And, and it, it's an experience that isn't necessarily replicated in other sporting properties out there in the, in the market. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what you guys are in a, it's a, Big, is it 10,000 seats, the shrine? 10,000 seats, yeah. So what do you have to, what do you have to do to kind of break even? What's your, what's your kind of goal for the game? You, you know, um, our, our big goal is to, to get an average attendance above 5,000. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't want to commit full, like, oh, that's our break even number, but that, that's kind of right. the that's your goal. Okay. Uh, we, we, we haven't built up to it quite yet. Um, you know, the, the goal for this season would to get be, would be to get north of three thousand, ideally thirty five hundred. Albeit, we've we've gone through a pretty dramatic change on the the organization side of things, and we did it really late into the off season. So we're we're kind of just now turning online some of these um, new approaches to sales, new approaches to game day experience. So, so, um, it's all again, part of the, the trans, uh, transformation, but 5,000 really would be the point where we feel like we start kind of, um, making forward progress on a, um, profit loss basis. So how did you guys get through, um, the pandemic? You know, it's a great question. It's before my time. 
Uh, okay. So I, I can't really <laughs> speak in depth about it, um, but it is a very good question. Sorry, like I, <laughs> I just don't want to like. Yeah, no. And I mean, honestly, we were season ticket holders when everything hit. And um, if there was, I have to say on that end, um, there was a lot of really good communication of like, do you want to keep, you know, do you want to hold this? Do you want to, you know, and it was one of those things because it's, it is outdoors. It's not in a closed arena. And so it was one of those things that, you know, we could go to yeah, fairly yeah. early on. So it was kind of nice. Yeah. And, you know, quite candidly being in Jefferson parish versus Orleans parish parish had a material difference. Yeah. Um, we were zip tying seats. So people were spaced out. We tried to adhere to it. Um, you know, there was no canceled matches in that, that 21 season, the post COVID or mid COVID, whatever you want to call it stretch. But I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, we lost a lot of momentum. You yeah. know, we, we were out in Shaw High School pre-COVID, and I think I want to say that capacity was around 2,000. And we were we were selling out, and you're selling out pretty much every game. The atmosphere felt very full and exciting, and there was a lot of momentum. We make the big leap into the 10,000-person stadium. Everything shuts down for COVID. People, you know, some people renewed. A lot of people didn't renew their season tickets coming out of COVID. We're trying to, you know, recapture some of those relationships. And all of a sudden, you know, we made the decision and then the wind came out of the sails a little bit, you know, through no one's fault. Um, and, and it's, we, it feels a bit empty. And so that's why trying to get to this 3,000, 5,000 attendance number, which I think is perfectly attainable in the direction we're going, um, is so important because the energy is a big piece of that game day experience, right? Um, if it feels empty, you, you know, it's, it's going to be a bit of a flatter experience and, and we want people to come and enjoy their time out at the stadium. So how many home games are we talking between now, I guess, and mid-June, you said? Yeah, eight home games. So eight 16 home? games a season, eight home, eight, eight away. Um, we do have a preseason that's behind us, but we played on the road for, for those games uh, this year. And then the, the postseason would be um, two playoff games and a, and a, um, a final. Um, and the, the team with the best record would host. So hopefully we're in a position to have a few additional games here um, in June, July. Like you said, I mean, good for good for families, good for just groups of friends hanging out, but good for um, you know corporate gatherings too. That's a it's an outdoors. I mean, we we are best weather of the year <laughs> at this point. I, so you can't compete at and and you know it, you know with the corporate groups. Like I said, it's not just the all right. You show up and you all sit together. You know, we do since the educational piece is such a big part of our objective. Anyone who's booking a group with us, like we want to go and you know, meet with them ahead of time, maybe bring some players out to their facility, get ball in hand, introduce everyone to the to the game a little bit. And so the, the value of that is, yes, you get the, the culminating day at the, the park with everyone, but you also get the the pre or potentially post uh, match day experience, which is, you know, kind of unraveled. You, you don't, it's a little bit harder to get the Saints or Pelicans per se to, to show up at your office and, you know, toss a football around. So like um, for good reason, but, but um, I do think we, we have, have put a lot of thought and energy in trying to create a really special experience for any of those corporate groups that come out and enjoy the day with us. Well, awesome. I, I think that's a, that's a good place to end, but I wanted to give you a chance to tell people how to, how to keep in touch with you guys. I'm sure you, like you said, you're on all the socials and. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the easiest and best place to start would be on our website. It's uh, www.nolagoldrugby.com. And same with all our social accounts are just at NOLA Gold Rugby. Uh, we post all of our match clips. There's some really good content. The schedule's on there. The website, you, you can purchase tickets directly through there. Um, we are paperless tickets, so everything is really on that website. But if you come to, if you come to us here on the, the Shrine on Airline, 
which is uh, 6,000 airline drive in Metairie. Um, we, we have QR codes. We can help get you set up on tickets, even on game day. Um, but yeah, that's, that would be the best place to find us. Awesome. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, Chase. This is super yeah. exciting. I'm excited to get back into a match. I had a girlfriend and I, who I had taken, she's like, did you hear they're starting up again? We have to go. So <laughs> we have our gear. My, um, my editor in chief was wearing his hat actually at a meeting this morning. So we're, we're good to go. Fantastic. Well, I hope to see you guys out here. Let me know when, whenever you make it out and uh, hopefully any of the, these listeners get inspired and want to come check us out. It really is a great, fun, family, affordable day at the, at the ballpark. So it is, it's super fun. And it, even like the kids that we took that it, it is such a fast moving sport. It doesn't have the stops that football has. It doesn't have all of the commercials and the sponsorships, all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it moves a lot quicker. It's, it's fun to watch. And, uh, and just like you said, really accessible and all the seats seem to be really good seats. So <laughs> it was not a bad seat. That's true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And um, I guess happy post Mardi Gras. Hi, you as well. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.